Rome, March 6th, 1821. My dear sir, I have tried many times to write to you, but no, I could not. It has been too much for me to think on it. I have been ill from the fatigue and pain I have suffered. The recollection of poor Keats hangs dreadfully upon me. I see him at every glance. I cannot be alone now. My nerves are so shattered. These brutal Italians have nearly finished their monstrous business. They have burned all the furniture and are now scraping the walls, making new windows, new doors, and even a new floor. You will see all the miseries attendant on these laws. I verily think I have suffered more from their cursed cruelties than from all I did for Keats. These wretches have taken the moments when I was suffering in mind and body. They have enraged me day after day until I tremble at the sound of every voice. I will try now once more to write you on our poor Keats. You will have but little, for I can hardly dare to think on it. But I will write at intervals, and pray you to take it as my utmost endeavour. When I am stronger, I will send you every word. The remembrance of this scene of horror will be fresh upon my mind to the end of my days. Four days previous to his death, the change in him was so great that I passed each moment in dread, not knowing what the next would have. He was calm and firm at its approaches, to a most astonishing degree. He told me not to tremble, for he did not think that he should be convulsed. He said, did you ever see anyone die? No. Well, then, I pity you, poor Seven. What trouble and danger you have got into for me. Now you must be firm, for it will not last long. I shall soon be laid in the quiet grave. Thank God for the quiet grave. Oh, I can feel the cold earth upon me, the daisies growing over me. Oh, for this quiet, it will be my first. When the morning light came and still found him alive, Oh, how bitterly he grieved. I cannot bear his cries. Each day he would look up in the doctor's face to discover how long he should live. He would say, How long will this posthumous life of mine last? That look was more than we could ever bear. The extreme brightness of his eyes with his poor, pallid face were not earthly. These four nights I watch him, each night expecting his death. On the fifth day, the doctor prepared me for it. 23rd. At four o'clock, afternoon, the poor fellow bade me lift him up in bed. He breathed with great difficulty and seemed to lose the power of coughing up the phlegm. An immense sweat came over him so that my breath felt cold to him. Don't breathe on me. It comes like ice. He clasped my hand very fast as I held him in my arms. The mucus was boiling within him. It gurgled in his throat. This increased, but yet he seemed without pain. His eyes looked upon me with extreme sensibility, but without pain. At eleven he died in my arms. The English nurse had been with me all this time. This was something to me, but I was very bad. No sleep that night. The next day the doctor had me over to his house. I was still the same. These kind people did everything to comfort me. I must have sunk under it all, but for them. On the following day, a cast was taken, and his death made known to the brutes here. Yet we kept a strong hand over them. 
we put them off until the poor fellow was laid in his grave. On Sunday, the second day, Dr. Clark and Dr. Luby, with an Italian surgeon, opened the body. They thought it the worst possible consumption. The lungs were entirely destroyed, the cells were quite gone. But Dr. Clark will write you on this head. This was another night without sleep to me. I felt worse and worse. On the third day, Monday 26th, the funeral beasts came. Many English requested to follow him. Those who did so were Dr. Clark and Luby, Messrs. Ewing, Westmacott, Henderson, Pointer, and the Reverend Mr. Wolfe, who read the funeral service. He was buried very near to the monument of Caius Cestius, a few yards from Dr. Bell and an infant of Mr. Shelley's. The good-hearted doctor made the men put turfs of daisies upon the grave. He said, This would be poor Keats's wish, could he know it. I will write again by next post, but I am still but in a poor state. Farewell. Joseph Severn. The expense, I fear, will be great, perhaps fifty pounds. I owe still on the doctor. I have not received the fifty pounds you mention. The doctor pays everything for me and would let me have any money I need.